Just kidding. They're here to worship Jesus. Now, we have been in um, this series of uh, discipleship for, for a little bit over the, the, the past many weeks. And what we've been doing is we've been talking about the fact that Jesus has called us to be his disciples. He, as our rabbi says, come follow me. And when he says that, it, it means come be exactly like me. And then before he ascends into heaven, he uh, gives us the great commission. Now go and do the same. Go and make disciples. So he begins by calling us to be like him. And then he, he, he leaves us to return again. But he leaves us and says, now go and make disciples. Go and do everything that I have done for the past three years to other people so that people may know of my glory and may know the love of God. The past few weeks, what we've been doing is we've been talking about, okay, A, what does it look like to be a disciple? B, how do you go about making disciples? And we've gone back and forth kind of in between them. And and last week I said it was kind of the beginning of everything is where your identity comes from. And this week, if you have a question about what it looks like to be a disciple, we're going to end it right here. We're going to answer it. And where do you answer how do you be a disciple? The book of Leviticus, of course. You can't say it, but you can say it. Leviticus chapter 11. After all, I, the Lord, am your God. You must be holy because I am holy. So do not defile yourselves by touching any of these animals that scurry along the ground. I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. You must therefore be holy because I am holy. And then in Matthew chapter 5, if you want something that Jesus said, But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There you go. How do you be a disciple? Be holy, be perfect. See y'all next week. Right? I mean, it's like, what type deal? Um, You want me to be holy and perfect as the Lord, my God, is holy and perfect. Oh, that's great. That's easy. How many of you today have been holy and perfect since you woke up this morning? Claire Harris. Claire Harris over there has been holy and perfect. Claire B., I love you. I love you like you're one of my daughters, but there's no way. I know you too well. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because let's be honest. I mean, how many of us from, from the entire time that you were born to the time that Jesus comes and brings you back to be with him in heaven... How many of you are going to make it from the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your savior? He says, come follow me. You're like, I am in Jesus. We are going down that beach. We're going to be one. I'm going to spread the love of Christ. How many of you, every moment of your life are going to get it and be holy and perfect. This seems like really a rather large piece of pie to eat, doesn't it? It seems like something tremendously large to do. And then if you go into Leviticus, and the book, the book of Leviticus is um, it's just full of these rules. And, the, and God is setting up society, and he's, he's giving you all these rules of what is clean, what is unclean, things that you should do, things you shouldn't do, things you should do, should you do the things you shouldn't do. You know, there's all of these different laws that are going in there. This is in the middle of different things that you can eat and you cannot eat. You know, you can... You can eat this because it has split hooves and it chews its cud. How many of you know why you can't eat a pig? You were at the first service. That doesn't count. Because um, because it has split hooves, yes, but it doesn't chew its cud, right? I mean, you should have known that. That should have been like, oh, totally, I watched Green Acres. I remember this. 
Um, it, yeah, so the, that's why you can't eat, you know, bacon, right? I mean, it's like because it doesn't chew its cud. So there's go through all the, like, what are the fish that you can eat? Well, there's scales and, and fins, but not fin. You know, just different little laws about that. What are the birds of the air that you can eat? What are the little things that crawl on the ground that you can eat? All of these different things. And God's like, hey, here's the rules set out before you. And by the way, mind-blowingly complicated. But be holy because I'm holy. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you into this world, essentially, is what God's saying there. So be holy because I am holy. And it doesn't like Je- it's not like Jesus lets us off the hook. Because a lot of times we go into, well, that's Old Testament stuff. And the Old Testament stuff really is gone because when Jesus came, he fulfilled all those laws. So we don't really need to worry about any of that stuff, right? Paul talks about that. But what Jesus says is, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Huh. Okay. Okay. So, let's try this on. Be holy and perfect. What does that even look like? What does it look like to be holy as God is holy? I mean, does it look like we need to get into the creation business? There's the man. Or do we maybe act as God acts? Ah, okay. So how does God act? What does it mean for God to be holy? God who is holy, what does it mean for God to be holy and to be perfect? You look at what God does, how he acts, how he moves forward. Richard Rohr um, is a, a Catholic priest, and he does these amazing writings that some of you may be familiar with. But one of his, thing, one of his writings that I recently read was about um, the practices of the church. Being a Catholic, there's a lot of practices in the church. And, and so he, he's writing about the different practices of the church. And, and what he says is we can get into the routine that the practices are the most important thing that we do in our day. In fact, so much so that they become our idols. What he, what he says is this. He has this like three steps forward, two steps back, which is, I think, where Paula Abdul got her song. Um, she just changed it a little bit for those of you that are Paula Abdul fans. Um, am I right? Remember the cartoon, the whole little uh, guy? Never mind. Um, there's more 80s people in the first crowd. Uh, they were all, all over it. So it, you have this, um, th- this thing of uh, three steps forward, two steps back. But what he says is what you need to look for in these movements of God and these things of God are, what are the things that smell of God? What are the things that are, are, are loving, are full of mercy? What are the things that are for justice, are nonviolent? are inclusive, are trustworthy. These are the things of God. If we are to be holy, then we are to be doing things that are full of love, full of grace, full of mercy, full of peace, full of trustworthiness. If you're doing something that is outside of those words, then you're outside of the movement of God and you're outside of the holiness of God. If you're to move forward into your life. See, and so what we do is we're like, okay, well, we have these practices. And, and we take these different practices like I'm going to wake up every morning early 
and I'm going to start doing a little quiet time and I'm going to have a little prayer journal and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to write the different people that I need to pray for that morning. And by the time I get to 10 o'clock, I'm, I'm going to have prayed for everyone on my prayer list. I'm going to have read the scriptures that I need to read for the day. I'm going to have spent this much time in silence waiting for the voice of God to fill me. I'm going to do this and do that and do this and do that. And by 10 o'clock, when you haven't done it, because let's be honest, how many days in a row are you going to carry that forward? You're going to go, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. Because what you've done is you've begun to focus so much on the practices that these have become your idols. See, in America, we want things, um, we want it spelled out for us. Because while we tend to believe that you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be anything in this world, um, we're also lazy. And we like the fact that someone else had to go on the Oregon Trail and, and, and the Chisholm Trail and explore and pave the way for us. We kind of like the fact that other people have discovered things and we just get to follow behind. We live in a society that wants it spelled out for us. Give me the steps to take so that I can become this. Give me the things that I need to do. What are the three? What are the five? What are the seven steps? So you're always odd numbers for whatever reason that I need to take so that I can become a better person, so that I can be a richer person, so that I can be a better looking person. I never read those, by the way, but so that I can be whatever. So I can be holy. What are the steps I need to take? And while there are good practices that God lays out for us, things that Jesus did, if we are too dependent upon these practices, if they become too large for us, so much so that they become our gods, then I dare say we are not full of mercy or love or justice or peace. What we have become is a Pharisee. Because Americans aren't solely the only ones who, which is what solely means, um, who are focused on these steps and these rules and regulations and get locked into things like that. If you remember, Jesus has this conversation, this confrontation, really, with some of the Pharisees because they're talking about eating with unclean hands. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. There's not clean hands here. How can this people, these people eat without the clean hands? Don't you remember in the book of Leviticus all the things that you have to do in order to be clean, in order to eat that? How dare you, sir? And Jesus is like, man, you're focused on the outside of the cup instead of the inside. What I'm worried about is what's inside. The practices, yes, they can lead you into a relationship with me. And and sometimes they help you get further and deeper along. But if there's nothing inside, if love isn't there, if mercy isn't there, if justice and peace aren't there, it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. Because it's worthless. I mean, remember when Jesus heals somebody? On the Sabbath? I mean, who would do that, right? How dare you heal that man on the Sabbath? Think about what they say. They're like, you shouldn't heal the guy on the Sabbath. The guy he heals is still in the room. You know, I mean, think about that. How horrible that is. How how bitter you must be so focused on these practices 
that like the guy who is now relieved of his healing and his life is changed forever for the good. They're like, no, he can't be healed today. It's the Sabbath. He's got to suffer one more day. How many people would really want to live life that way that you see someone suffering? You're like, dude, I would love to help, but it's the Sabbath and I'm just going to walk on by you right now. Tomorrow, I hope you're still alive and we'll help you then. But there's rules about this sort of thing. Because they made the rules, their gods, their idols, they so focused on these things instead of the relationship with God, they missed what being holy was all about. It wasn't about following these rules and regulations. It was about following the heart of God. It's about following a life, living a life into a place of love and mercy and justice. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, was an Episcopal priest in England. And he looked around at the way the church, his beloved church, he loved the Episcopal church. And he looked around at what was happening and he saw this disconnect between the church and the world. He saw this disconnect of what was happening between the, the higher powers of the church and the priests. And they would look down on certain people who would enter into a church building. Whoa, you're not worthy to be in here. And he became so disheartened and disillusioned by this that he kind of turned away and did this whole Methodist movement. And it was a movement about mercy and justice. He and his brother Charles and some of their other friends from Oxford would go into these prisons That no one else would go to. And they would spend time with these prisoners. And they would just bring love. They wouldn't condone the crimes that had put them there. But they also wouldn't cast them away for them. And they would go to places that no one else would go. And they would spend time with people that no one wanted to be around. And they would bring the love of Christ with them. For John Wesley, it was this holiness movement that was to be like God, meant to live a life of love and mercy and justice and peace and to carry that into the world. Now, John never wanted to leave the Episcopal Church. He never wanted Alamo Heights United Methodist Church to exist. He would rather it be Alamo Heights Episcopal Church. But our legacy, our foundation is built by people who are called to be holy. We are people who are called to live in a world of darkness and bring forth light, not condemnation, but love and mercy and justice and peace. We are called to go into the world carrying the love of Christ forward. We say in here all the time, you love God and you love others. John Ortberg says that you cannot love God if you don't love others. The two just go hand in hand. If we are to be holy as our Father is holy, perfect as He is perfect, I have no expectation that I am going to get it right every day. I have no expectation that I'm going to even get it right when I leave the stage in just a few moments. I'm sure that I'm going to mess up somebody's name or say something that I shouldn't because I have a tendency to be inappropriate at times, especially when my wife's out of town and she's not there to hit me. I'm sure that I will do something sometime today that will not 
be exercising holiness. I'll probably go to HEB in just a little bit, and some of you will be there, and you'll have 17 items in the 15 or fewer line. And I will judge you. And I will condemn you. Not to your face, mind you, just behind your back and look at the person and go, you count those mics. Sorry. Get a little angry about that. More than likely what's going to happen is when Jenna gets home and the kids are there and it's crazy and it's, and it's just commotion, the life that I lead at home sometimes isn't nearly as holy as the life I leave in our community, lead in our community. Isn't that the sad thing? That I think most of us tend to give our A game at work or at school or in public. And when we get home, they get what's left. Why? Well, because they put up with it. I said this at the first service, too, and somebody said, I'm telling your wife. (laughs) She knows. But what if we became people who had a filter in our mind somehow? Maybe you don't have as many voices in your mind as I do, so it's easier for you. But you have this filter that every action that you take is filtered with, is this holy? Is this bringing love? Is it bringing peace? Is this being inclusive? Is it full of grace? Is this moving me closer to who God longs for me to be and who this person God longs for them to be? Or is it not? The fact of the matter is, you may come into contact with people who are different than you. Who grew up in a different place. Who dress differently. Who live somewhere else. Who live in another country. Who vote politically different than you do. And you can't understand how they can vote the way that they vote. Who drive something different than you drive. Who maybe even smell different than you smell. The big quest for all of us as we are to be as our rabbi. Is to be holy even to them. Because if you look at the story of Jesus, and we know that Jesus was into the laws and the regulations of what God had set forward. We know that he celebrated the different feasts that were aligned in the Jewish faith. And there's a bunch of them. We know because it says so in the text, the different times that he stops to do specific ritualistic Hebraic things. We know that he was a good Jew. We know that he was into the regulations and the rules and the laws. We know all of this. But most of the story of Jesus isn't about that. Most of the story of Jesus is about him loving people that no one else would. It's about him going places where no one else would go. Touching people who no one else would touch. Crying with people who people just didn't care about. Feeding people who were hungry and left to die. That is the story of Jesus. That's what it means to be holy. May we be people 
who are holy. Because our Lord, our God, our Father in heaven is holy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of life that you have given each one of us.